Your favourite film. Awful. Hello, and welcome to Your Favourite Film is Awful, the weekly show where we take your favourite films and defend them against negative reviews. As always, I am Luke M.J. Powell, and with me is Charlie Lilly. How you doing, mate? And Sean Grimsley. What up? What up, indeed. You both well? Charlie, you well? Yeah, I'm alright, yeah. Good. Sean, are you well? I'm cussing fantastic. Cussing fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Today, <laughs> we're doing a Patreon-submitted film. See, we listen to the fans, especially when they give us money. Hey, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Who wants to do the plot synopsis for the film that we're doing today, which is Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Wes Anderson, I don't have the date. Who has uh, the date? 2009. 2009. 2009, Wes Anderson, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Who would like to do the plot synopsis? I have a coin. Shall we flip? Do do the coin flip. Mm-hmm. I love the coin flip. Charlie, Who's going to call ta- it, though? Heads or fox tails? Tails. Okay. Oh, bollocks. Heads. It's heads. It's I heads. I, it was heads. I, I mean, I'll do it if you really want me to, but I, I, I don't mean to think I was lying, but it was heads. No, no, no. I believe <laughs> um, So, the premise, the plot synopsis of Fantastic Mr. Fox is basically that Fantastic Mr. Fox, who is, in fact, a fox who is fantastic, um, he is home because he fucks around with the farmers, Uh his home is now being destroyed by the farmers who are trying to kill the fox. And he is trying to basically protect all of his family and the fox kingdom, as well as the other animals that live underground, um, away from the farmers who are trying their very best and have nothing else to do but to try and kill and ruin the fox's uh, home Mm. and lives. I really, yeah, really enjoyed that. That's all we need to give. I love how you were just like, the fox is fucking with the farmers. I'm like, romantically? Or like... <laughs> that is a very different movie. Very different film. Smash Anderson. Direct. That is... Smash Anderson. <laughs> uh, perfect. I, I personally felt that you, you kind of summed that up nicely. I, I thought you did a great job there, Charlie. Gold star, Cheers, well Larry. done. However... Frank G with the zero review does not agree. Unwatchable. (laughs) Not funny for adults. Dull for kids. There are no entertaining issues here. Just a waste of talent. It isn't clear why this nostalgic, amateurish animation technique was used, but it looks like a student film. Though it looks like critics were impressed by A-list talent working on this kind of movie, the big question for the rest of us is what cellular service they use to phone in those performances. That student needs a distinction. Because, <laughs> uh, what the fuck? <laughs> That's an amazing short film. If, it's a, a student film. It's a PhD. Yeah, what the fuck? He's completed it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amateur, Sorry, Sean, continue. Am- amateurish animation, come on now. Like, you've got some of the best animators in the world working on this film. Mm. Like, one of the lead animators on this was Jason Stallman, my boy, shout out. Um, <laughs> it's just unbelievably good. Tobias, Kim, like, these people are 
the greatest animators in the world. I refuse to have a bad thing said about them. Mm. Um, and uh, in addition to that, like, I actually think the style of this borrows uh, quite heavily from Aardman. Like, I think it's got an Aardman mm. look to it. Um, mm. And um, I mean, that makes sense with the with the director of photography being, you know, uh, Tristan. But it very much is inspired by other animations. Like you can see that that's mm. kind of like Wes Anderson's thing. And I, I like in this one, I can I can appreciate that it looks a bit off because the animals have individual hairs, which for stop motion animation is a bit of a nightmare. A nightmare. You can really mm. see it. But I actually think it gives it its own kind of unique thing um, because you I cannot agree. say that the animation is bad at all. Um, it, it's It's masterful. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I'm one of those that I love stop-motion films. Mm. And so, like, to see Wes Anderson's style of filmmaking being mixed with stop-motion film techniques, I, th I think it's just, like, the perfect combination, which makes sense why, after this, he did uh, Isle of Dogs. Yes, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, mm -hmm. maybe not the in direct next film, but he definitely, like, I can tell that he had such a good time and, like, perfecting everything and making sure it was entirely his vision with that Wes Anderson style. Like, how could you say it was uh, amateurish when it's just, ah, oh, it's so clean, it's so beautiful, it has all the freaking loveliness that you expect from Wes Anderson and the greatness of a fucking stop motion where you can see the paint, like, with normal animation, they can like get away with some like blurs and stuff, and like it's the fluidity of the motion that you, you you watch and you accept and you love. But with like the painstaking movement on my, like moving a little bit and then taking a picture, like that craft, I would never, never have the patience to do. So for anyone, like I, I hate when people are like, oh, stop motion is nostalgic, amateurish animation. It's like no. Fuck you! Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! Okay. And that's yeah, that's it, my addition. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think stop motion. If anything, it actually kind of there's a level of charm that you can't get from any other sort of animation style that stop motion has, which is like when you can see like the thumbprints of like the the people making it on say an Ardman picture, okay. where you can see the sort of the thumbprints and the play doh, and and you see that like you said the whiskers kind of moving and stuff and it, it it's it's all there in front of you mm. and it's all happening and and like you said luke it's kind of the perfect tool for wes anderson who has such a distinct style and look and perfectionism to each one of his shots and frames uh, like stop motion is almost like the perfect thing for him anyway mm. i always felt like his films felt like sort of children's uh like like storybooks um, in terms of their palette and like the very pastel colors and the and the the, the cinematography and the the framing, um, and I feel like this is like the this is this is when he's kind of at home here. I feel like with this film is like you really get to get into his mind, uh, and not even that. I mean, I, I I the first thing film I ever made was a stop motion when I was a kid. Um, that took me two days, and it was a man a Lego man putting a chicken in a bin. <laughs> um and then a wookie grabs him and throws him into the cameras uh, and that took me literally two days to do like two days straight um, it's amazing that you got nominated yeah. for two oscars i can't <laughs> <laughs> exactly all from that no who knew mm. uh now i'm doing this podcast because you know yeah 
<laughs> Oscar's a shit compared to this. Um, but yeah, uh... <laughs> there's a new t-shirt. <laughs> oh, Oscar's a shit, Oscar's compared, a shit to compared to this. Your favourite film is all <laughs> done. Sorted. Uh, you can you can get that t-shirt for free if you subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, anyway, oh, whoa, don't uh, make false so... promises. Don't make false promises. <laughs> it's right. There's no one there, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're just joking. No, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> we're just talking to ourselves, Luke. We're actually we, we've all we've made this up all for you, Luke. Really, oh, like really, sweet. there's no fans. It's just we just do this to appease. Uh, to make you think, oh, you know, we, we're, we're doing something. No, um, <laughs> I mean, you guys put in yeah, a lot no, of effort. Uh, <laughs> just, just a horrible level of gaslighting. Yeah. Just full Truman yeah, Show. Yeah. Just, a, just an evil thing to do. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but also I think that not only is this a Wes Anderson movie, I just want to point this out, but I also think it's very much a Noah Baumbach uh, screenplay. Um, and I watching this, I don't know if you should feel about this, Sean, but I feel a lot of parallels with like the squid and the whale, particularly when it comes to the relationship between uh, Fantastic Mystic Fox's son and uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, I think the way they deal with that reminded me a lot of No Bone Back, and it was weird when I was watching it, I re watching it, I kind of I didn't really, I forgot that he did it, and when I was watching it, I was like, this feels very No Bone Back, a lot of this. Uh, this sort of family dynamic stuff and then little kind of shocked when his name popped up and I was like oh damn that makes a lot of sense um, but yeah I, what, what are they talk about animation it's beautiful mm. agreed uh, also they say about phoned in performances bullshit Did, like, yeah, bullshit no. now I know for a fact that he that, that Wes's approach to this was a bit different to how you would normally do it and he took the actors out and got them to act it out on location. So typically, mm. when you're doing like something like this, you'll, you'll get Wes tends to act it out um, mm. and like explain how he wants the movements. But for this to get the vocal recording, they went out on location and recorded it. It's why I always like I always think when I, I remember seeing this for the first time, I'm like the sounds a bit. The sound is strange in this. I can't quite put my finger on mm. what it is, and it's because it was on location. So, like typically, if you're doing this stuff, you're in a booth. And mm, it's, you know, which is somehow it's kind of like the audio equivalent of green screen where you you're really having to use your imagination or at best you've got an animatic. But I think actually having the freedom to have these like the actors run around and like get on all fours and, and stuff. I think that gave it a, a, like a really different kind of edge to it. I'm, I, you mm. know, I don't necessarily know if it made it better or worse, but it certainly was mm. unique. Um, and I don't mm. think it detracted from the film. Um, if anything, I, I think it probably gave a more honest version of that performance. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree. I I like it when you find out stuff like that, where it's just where, where it could have just been. Oh, this was the second take of three takes. We, we just needed to get them. To, we only had the actors in for like three or four days, and then it was just get it done and gone. But then, like in the behind the scenes, like this one, for example, and the only one that springs to mind right now is Rango. Which, which which was animated uh, chameleon Le lizard that one the cowboy yeah, one yeah, chameleon. if that one rings any bells chameleon but the it, one yeah but it's that yeah, sort of mm, but it is that sort of they don't need to do this extra stuff but they do because it's the betterment of the film it's like you have the the people act out everything and not only do you have a, a better vocal performance with the the on the live recordings you also have images 
to compare with uh, the shots that they've taken for the stop motion. So if anything looks a little off or doesn't look quite right, they can do that, which of course it's probably leans better to physical uh, drawn animation styles rather than the, the puppeteer style. But like, it makes sense to have that reference, those references. Cause of course we know that they did that, but I personally, cause you've just told me, I don't know when they did that. So if they did the live performances, far in advance then they could be using those references when they're fixing the the puppets i mean yeah they did yeah. do it quite far in advance they, it was the first thing that they did on the movie um other than potentially like doing the animatic so um I, typically you have the whole thing animated out um mm. in a very you know like very well drawn but they're, they're still frames so you know what the frame is supposed to look like so i imagine that they would have had that as well um, and then, of course, they do amazing things, you know, like uh, for Isle of Dogs, they had they had days where they people just brought dogs in to film them against green screen so that the animators mm. had references to how That's to so animate cool. the dogs, different types of dogs and, and dogs under different levels of duress. Um, so it's yeah, it's it, it's cool how they use the reference reference files and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it you only think- for me, it only adds to knowing that the animation in this is as incredible as anything else because it, you literally are making an inanimate object come to life. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's truly magical. It's truly magical. Yeah, it really is. Do you think that they got uh, foxes to talk like George Clooney for the reference for this one? I would say I actually, <laughs> I, this isn't well known. So this is a world first, but actually all foxes do sound like George Clooney. George Clooney. Um, ah, yeah. George Clooney yeah, actually yeah. wasn't available for this film. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there was a there was a fox hunt for him and ah. uh, <laughs> what does the fox say this film george clooney george clooney <laughs> <laughs> i love it i must admit i you're all making great points there but um because i've got a bit of a scatterbrain as soon as you guys said puppeteers I started thinking about that scene from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors. <laughs> oh, when, you've when that now. They're like, veins are like popping. They're like controlling their veins. Yes. And it was freaking me out for a bit. And then and then I jumped back into the conversation. So I, I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. but... <laughs> I, I, my that's mind good. immediately went to John Cusack being John Malkovich. Like that's, that's, Oh, yeah, of course. I, yeah, yeah. That's always yeah. what I think of. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love it. The way the, the, way the brains work in, in my co-hosts is, is great. <laughs> okay, Expensive would we too. like... It's very good. <laughs> would we hey, like look, we don't a talk much don't talk longer price. review? <laughs> Sorry? So we don't talk my price, okay, on the podcast. <laughs> very expect- Those two Oscars I got back in the day for that mm. short, you know? Yeah. I'm worth, I'm worth something. Well, it's a, it's a shame you had to sell them to make rent. <laughs> yeah. <Fucking hell. laughs> What is this law you're constructing about <laughs> Charlie's life? No, I mean the movie Rent. Charlie was really passionate. He really wanted a movie yeah. version of, of Rent and uh, sold his it. Oscars to get it funded. So that was actually... Not yeah. a lot of people know that. It was Charlie Lilly. Everyone thinks it was co-written by uh, George Clooney, but it was actually the fox that li- lived on his estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? For okay, fuck's okay. sake. No. <laughs> for fuck's sake brilliant <laughs> no enough of this right longer review this is a critical review from Deborah Ross many paragraphs many pauses to allow you to talk 
Fantastic Mr. Fox is actually no more than so-so Mr. Fox, if that. And I was pretty bored right from the get-go. The animation is beautiful, the attention to detail is a thing of wonder, with enough mise-en-scenes to keep even the most fanatical mise-en-scenist happy. But the story is a mess, the script is banal, and as visually stunning as it is, it just doesn't seem to have any kind of soul. I don't know what Roald Dahl, who wrote the original story, would say, but I'm betting it's something along the lines of, clear off, I'm busy, don't come back. He was always quite grumpy, by all accounts, although you wouldn't know it from this. You'd just think he was a sentimental old fool. I disagree, Gary. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I think... It does have a fucking beating soul to it. I think the whole stuff with um, the the son mm. and the um, the cousin who comes to stay, I think all of that is brilliant because it's you know it's kind of your classic story of the the son getting jealous of this perfect uh, cousin that the dad's leaning more towards because he's more like him. Um, but I really liked like the scene when uh, I need to remind me of the name of the son again, so I don't just keep saying the son. Does anyone know? Uh, Jason Schwartzman. I, I can't remember the Jason character Swartzman. name off the top of my head. So Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> yeah, the son. All right, we'll go with that then. Uh, so the son, uh, he yeah, he's really quite nasty to the cousin um, for a bit, and then there's that part where the the cousin sort of lays down to sleep and just like, on the floor and just starts crying, and. I just thought, like, how could you say the movie has no soul? That, that 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 scene alone, I thought, was so good. And then he gets up and just turns the train on. Like, mm. any other movie, it would be like, oh, uh, no, don't feel bad. Go on, you could have my bed and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, he just, he just turns the train on. And we get it, that moment, you know, that they, they're going to start to bond from this. I just I just thought that's really a really great sort of way of like establishing their relationship and I, I really buy that they're sort of friends by the end of it and he kind of looks up to him and I um, like that I, they I've... don't become friends immediately like the actual yes, full apology exactly. it, it's, it's stretched out to the to the kind of crux moment of the third act exactly and like I said with that, that whole thing of like he doesn't you know that, that moment he could have when he was crying he could have gone to him oh yeah you know I'm sorry man like you can have my bed blah 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 that would have been like any other movie but like the fact he just turns the train set on like that's mm. enough for us to know, you know, that yeah, you know, he doesn't really want to be like this. He's just jealous. Um, yeah. And I just feel that was really sweet. And I love that whole stuff with his dad of him just like, you know, you're you're weird. You're just you. You know what I mean? Just be your weird self. And that's kind of what makes you weird. And through being your weird self, will you become the person you want to be? Um, which is eventually, you know, someone who can run track a bit better or play this game, that, he, that, that Fox game they were playing. Yeah, the weird. Game. <laughs> um, and I, yes, yeah, so it just baffles me to say that it doesn't have any soul um, because of that. I mean, let mm. alone all the other stuff, the other family dynamics they have going on, and the fact that he's the cousin's father is dying, and you know, what his character, you know, he's such a side character, but he's got so much depth to him, even of like, you know, he, he yes, he can do it all, but he doesn't have a father figure in his life. Well, he he won't be around much longer anyway. Mm. Um, I just yeah, I just I, I don't understand what people watch sometimes. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's one of those that yeah. this film lives and dies with its characters. 
and they are very fleshed out and it, it you do have those very believable dynamics like i don't know about you guys but growing up it different. was that kind of yeah it was just being a bit different being a bit and like no. not feeling like you fit in and especially in england where it's like we don't have the the cardboard cutout american stereotypes in high school where it's like you guys are jocks that's the box that you fit in you guys the cheerleaders that's the box you you're fucking nerds get over there and help get in your locker get in your locker like in britain look at him he's trying yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) should i two strap it i'm gonna should i two strap it single strap it what do i do do do? (laughs) i'm single strapping it and in england it is very much because we have a little more freedom in that kind of stereotypical tropey thing isn't applied to us we can experience that and it is that kind of every kid is the weird one is a little different and we're all trying to like figure out who we are and it's it's just very believable character of the sun so i wholeheartedly agree yeah it's you know wes anderson and noah bornback you know do like tropes of their writing is to have these male father figures who are kind of just lousy like they're mm. not bad they're not ostensibly bad people but they're, they're kind of lousy father figures and you know this is this is uh much like you said it's very squid and a whale and it's very royal tenenbaums and it's kind of a mashup of those mm. two things but also recognizing that it has to still be a movie for kids so it doesn't dwell in the melodrama but actually mm. if you if you dissect some of it there's some heavy stuff like when meryl streep says to him you know like I love you, but I shouldn't have married you. And then the scene yeah. ends. You're just like, wow, that could be a whole movie. Like, mm, yeah, you know, it's it, true. It doesn't explore it, but you know what it means, and you're like, mm. this is this. That's that's what I consider heavy for a kids' film. You know, like one hundred percent. It's dealing with it's dealing with that. And so, in contrast, you've got the you've got the the George Clooney Fantastic Mr. Fox figure who's trying to reclaim his youth a little bit, and you've got the younger figure, you know, his son who's called Ash, by the way. Um, ah, uh, his, whose son who's trying to be taken seriously and treated more like an adult um, mm. and uh, you've got Christopherson who you know has been forced to be more adult and more grown up because of the situation with his father again that could be a, its whole movie but it doesn't mm. dwell on that um, and I can, I can appreciate the reviewer saying you know that it's a little bit cold or a little bit distant the pacing is a bit strange I, w- I won't lie but it's in keeping with a particular style and it's consistent through the film. So it's not a mistake, it's a choice. Um, and I don't think yeah. it's a bad choice. And I th- yeah, I agree. And I think as well that that comment is a comment that Wes Anderson gets a lot about his characters yeah. being cold. And I kind of agree, I kind of understand that. They're very kind of distant. Um, but I, I, I get a sense that that's the kind of household that he come from in a weird way. Um, particularly, I think Noah Bombach maybe as well, because I think that in something like The Squid and the Wow, for example, um, and this film, like you said, the dads are like, they're like amazing at what they do. They're kind of like middle-class people who like are very, very good at what they do. Very intelligent people. For instance, Mr. Fox is obviously fantastic. Uh, what's his chops in uh, Squid and the Wow? Uh, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels is like an excellent, like highly intelligent person. Um, And but again, their flaws come from the fact they're not the best fathers. Even though they're great at this thing, they're not the best fathers. And um, and I and I I could see maybe that's why Wes and Noah maybe worked on this, or uh, because they I imagine they kind of had a similar. I'm I'm literally just speculating from their movies. upbringing in terms of they have they come from maybe very intelligent parents that 
are very good at what they do but may not necessarily give the attention that the children maybe desire and I, that, that's what i've found through watching their movies anyway yeah, if, they, sure. if, they, if i was to find some sort of through line between it all um and the characters yeah. almost seem like they've they've all been raised by psychologists so it's yes you got, yes you don't just exactly feel it that, you yeah. analyze the feeling and that yes. becomes that becomes you you stop recognizing the feeling and you recognize the processing before mm. you recognize the feeling um, it's almost the it's, robotic nature yeah, of it. It's very yeah, cerebral. It's it's incredibly cerebral, yes, New York. Yeah. And that's one of the other things I find mm. interesting about this film that I never, I'm not sure they holistically gel, but I don't think it's a criticism. There's such an Americanism to this while it's mm. also set within this almost Yes, like, that is true. Like, very English countryside. England, and it's like, yeah. it's such a weird mashup that, you know, anybody else, it wouldn't quite make sense. But somehow... It, as a, you know he's he's a very production design based filmmaker so it, it meshes up in a really interesting way because it is uniquely a Wes Anderson film so hmm. yeah I 100% agree uh, so the next paragraph is just about plot which we've already covered so we're just going to move into the next paragraph a film does not have to be a slave to a book but one hopes something of the spirit of a book remains and here it simply doesn't it's as if Mr. Anderson took the spirit of the book, showed it the door, and instructed it to never show its face around these parts again. Here the foxes are no longer just foxes that dig a lot. Here they're anthropomorphized to such an extent they stand on two legs, make their getaways on motorbikes, use mobiles, watch TV, are dressed to the nines, and also appear to be in regular employment. Mr. Fox wears a raffish mustard-colored suit and is now a newspaper columnist? Weird, I know. Meanwhile, Miss Fox is, well, foxy, with her big blue eyes and smart yellow dresses. They have a young son, Ash, who thinks he's not good enough for his father, but of course knows he is by the end. My, how one longs for Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker to roll up and sit on the whining little fellow. Mr. Fox, by the way, is voiced by George Clooney and Mrs. Fox is Meryl Streep, which I just don't get at all. Why hire big money names for this sort of thing? Kids don't care, and as for adults, I have yet to hear one say... Oh, I must go see that film. It has George Clooney's voice in it. The voice of Wallace in Wallace and Gromit was by that old chap from Last of the Summer Wine. Can't even remember his name. And it didn't seem to do the box office any harm. So that's a, a I big mean, paragraph. All right, I'll, tackle, I'll tackle the box office thing first. Um, like, this is a huge gamble, this film. And financially, I don't actually think it did especially well i think it had a budget of 40 and it made 50 um mm. you know that's that's not by any means a success but pretty much all the voice anderson's films cost that much so you kind of know what you're gambling on um i would say that the star power aspect of it and don't forget this is 2009 probably helped sell that idea a little bit because at that point as well stop motion was still it's still a, it was I mean, it's it's widely accepted now, but this film and Wes Anderson's love of it is one of the other reasons why this has become a more widely 
you know, loved and accepted thing. Mm. I don't think it alienated people. I think it actually brought people to it. That I agree. Have kind of figured it anyway. You know, there is this kind of like hipster credential to Wes Anderson that I think, you know, is, you know, certainly yeah. true to some degree, but it, it allowed people that would have said, oh, that's not cool to say, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And then, you know, by osmosis, maybe more people liked it. I'm not trying to appease those people. I'm just saying. Um, uh, but, if I can just tack on to that point, just the, well, please, the, the point about, well, really just the whole focus of the voice cast. So I've made it no secret in one of the previous episodes, I think it was Jaws, when I said that I watched uh, Space Jam 2. Uh, yeah. Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. Um, Lola Bunny is voiced by Zendaya. Yeah. And that character does barely anything in the film. That is such a stute, like, and it didn't need to be voiced by Zendaya. It didn't need to be, it could have been the original voice actor, which of course is very much like this in the fact that as much as this reviewer was like, oh, no, no audience is going to care who's voicing the people. Big names bring people into films. It's happened all the time in live action and it happens with motion, uh, with animation as well, where they've got in these big names because as you just said, it is a risk. So, to have bigger names attached to it, the audience is automatically going to go, okay, well, this has fucking Meryl Streep in it, so it can't be absolute tosh because she's fucking great. And so people will be encouraged to get bums in seats. And it is mm. that kind of marketing thing where as much as this reviewer can be like, nah, it doesn't matter. It makes no sense. It doesn't do it box office any harm. It does the box office more favor than it does harm. Like, yeah, it's just a business choice that makes sense definitely and if you look at the cast as well you, oh sorry charlie that's what i was just gonna say particularly if like uh the the person going to see the film gives a lot of credit to the actor in terms of for example like me with like well uh, maybe not so much anymore but with george clooney i used to be like well i'm gonna go see this because it's probably gonna be good or at least interesting um mm. there's certain actors you have a trust with don't you i mean de niro in the 70s and 90s you know Ryan Gosling, I, I feel like I'll go see whatever he's in because if it, even if it's not good, it's going to be something di in interesting or different, or you know, and and I feel like that's that sort of stuff is what brings people in, particularly with animation. It's like, oh, okay, George Clooney's in this animated Fox movie. Well, I've liked George Clooney's other movies. I'm like, do you know what? We'll give it a go this weekend. You know, it's on. Do you know what I mean? George Clooney's in it. He's usually good, and I feel like that. So I, I think it helps the box office way more than. Mm. they get credit for yeah sure sean continue yeah, and I, I mean just further adding to that was what i was going to say anyway mm. was that you know this is a top tier was anderson cast yeah um, and if you yeah. look at what the film's about it's a heist movie yeah you cast fucking danny ocean like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah literally like, yeah go figure he's supposed to be this charming but flawed character well you know clooney does that just as good as anyone yeah you know like 100 and especially at this point in his life you know when it was when this came out you know he was the perpetual single man you know mm. and it was kind of like the idea that he's married you could buy the idea that george clooney like is happily married but like is trying to do something sneaky on the side mm. yeah like because he's you know he's got that he's got that element about him ever since he got famous over er that's what doug's whole character was mm. um he was Batman, you know, come on, he's got a <laughs> yeah. sneak it alter ego. Yeah, like yeah. he was, so, he's really well cast for whatever version of this is. And that's, mm, you know, people that say this isn't honest to the book, well, two thirds of it are invented for the movie anyway, which I think yeah. kind of allows you to have free reign. 
Um, and I, you know, I, I don't think it's sacrilegious to the original text. It's Definitely certainly not. different in its approach, but I'm fine with that. You know, change everything or change nothing. Those are the two ways you adapt it. This somehow did both. And so I don't think it failed at either. Um, no, I agree. And, uh, and you know, I, and I said this before and I'll say it again. It is an adaptation. Last week we talked about we got Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. They're entirely different movies, but they're both different takes, different adaptations. Uh, I know I have a favorite, but I don't think that this was, you know, I don't think this was a failure as an adaptation. Let someone else do it in a couple of years if they want to. Do be something more honest to the text. But, you know, this is what it is, and I'm liking it. Definitely. I think adaptations should always try to, I agree, either do the same thing or add something else to it or add something new or have a fresh take on it that's, or a fresh perspective. And I think that's exactly what this does. Um, I think, like Sean said, you know, there's, this isn't, this in my mind is the definitive fantasy to Mr. Fox, but it doesn't have to be for everyone else. They're probably going to remake it in a couple of years. It's one of those books, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It, it's, this is Wes Anderson's take on the fantasy to Mr. Fox story. Um, mm. And yeah, also I found it quite funny that they referred to uh, Wes Anderson as Mr. Anderson because I can't help but hear Hugo weaving <laughs> in my head whenever someone says, Mr. Anderson, <laughs> you helped your landlady carry out her garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'd love to see that version of The Matrix. <laughs> Wes Anderson. I would absolutely love to see that. So... Cool. You you know like the scene in this where the dog is chasing around, the the rabid dog is chasing around, and you got the dog POV. I'd love to see that from a bullet. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> everything will be all perfectly symmetric. Yeah, symmetrical. like the symmetry would really lean into oh, the whole synthetic amazing. nature of it. That would, yeah, yeah, that would... that's true. And, and, and the bullet time, it'd cut to like Bill Murray just going, "Wow, that looked cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> just Bill Murray in a window, just on an, in another building, just looking out, going, "Oh, nice, yeah. very cool, nice, pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, very cool. Bill just Murray one. as the bullet cameo. Uh, as the bullet. <laughs> Jeez. Um, look, all film is an illusion, but a good filmmaker will get you to believe in it all the same. It's almost as if Mr. Anderson has contempt for any proper context. The animals speak American, but the farmers are British? How come? The animals have cookers and toasters and kettles in their dens. How come? It is obviously set in rural England, yet the cars and supermarket products are all American. How come? It's a film without any integrity which means it can't have any emotional credibility either. Do we properly care what happens to the Fox family and their friends? Not at all. It's as if too much thought has been given to the animation and almost none to putting some heart into it. Stunned I mean, silence. I love it. Yeah, I mean, how could you say there isn't heart put into this? I mean, every shot is like framed perfectly for his style. Mm. You know, it, you don't you don't sit there and make everything so perfectly symmetrical if you don't have love for the the project. 
you know what I mean? Like sure. that, that just that alone on a very basic level, let alone, you know, the, the emotional depths it tries to delve into with the characters. And like Sean said, with that line with Mel Streep and George Clooney, which is like, you know, I, I shouldn't have married you. Like, and cut it away. Like he doesn't need to add those things in. It's like what I was saying last week on the Suicide Squad episode about James Gunn adding that line with Starro of, you know what I mean? And, and, and saying that at the end, it's like, it's like, it doesn't need... He doesn't need to have that moment, but he's adding that in because he cares about his characters. He cares about this movie. He cares mm. about it being more than just the story and that there's characters that live on after that story. The best movies for me are the ones that I believe where I believe the characters are still existing after I finish the movie, unless they, they aren't existing after seeing the movie, <laughs> by the end of the movie. Um, but... But yeah, like this one, for, like for example, I totally believe they're still out there chilling, you know, the, the foxes, because they feel real and grounded and they have, you know, they have, uh, they, because he, get, he get, gives them that very human element, even though we're watching animated foxes. Um, and mm. to say that that's, there's no love and craft put into it, I think is just, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I love how pure that was, Charlie. <laughs> I love that you're sitting there thinking about that that family and all the badgers, just you know, having a good time. Of just course. Out. <laughs> Outside the digesis of the film, they're alive. 100%. Chilling in the supermarket. See, that's what Pixar figured out for Toy Story. They were like, yes. yep, we got this. We've tapped into something. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, when I was a kid with Toy Story, I, after I saw that movie, I used to like, go to walk out the door and then quickly look at the toys, <laughs> <laughs> just in case, like try and catch them. <laughs> I found I can't remember who it was but uh, I read somewhere someone found a loophole in Toy Story which was like if Buzz doesn't think he's a toy why does he play dead when ever the humans are in the room oh yeah no that somebody else uh, explained it it was because um, in the second film I think it is with uh, the Buzz Lightyear with the belt he says uh, like what are you doing outside of uh, stasis what like if anybody sees you sort of thing so every time buzz has been static up to that point he's pretending to still be like in stasis sleep so none of <laughs> right. the actual people know that he's awake and is aware of his surroundings i right, see okay so it's like yeah. a, that's a great one-line fix for something yeah. that someone probably brought up to them after the first movie oh, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> definitely is there smoking in space no thank god we invented the such and such yeah yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> I've um, kind of forgotten what else was in the review, but the, I, I kind of touched on the Americanisms versus the yeah. Englishisms as such. Mm. It's a it's a movie about a fox at war <laughs> with farmers who who speak, regardless of accent, speak the same language. It's like mm. suspend your disbelief. Like if if yeah. your if your problem with this is nationalist. First of all, I'm guarantee you voted Tory. That's right. I'm back on the political uh, side. Uh, he's Get off the Political. <laughs> come up. Come. Come at me, Eaton Bros. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it, there's a suspension of disbelief when you're going into a Roald Dahl move, like a, a you know a Roald Dahl story, and you know uh, a, a movie based on one of those books, and it's stop motion, and you're looking at the whole thing. It's like, okay, well then, how did the why is Mel Gibson a chicken? <laughs> yeah. No, well, no, it's true. For me, it, it's. So that she, uh, Deborah poses all those questions, but then the reply is, would any of that, like any of those answers, would it make the film better? That's true. Yeah. Why? Yeah. How would it? It wouldn't at all. It doesn't yeah. add anything it's, at it's, all. It's like, yeah, it doesn't add anything. It's like it's like saying it should be in 3D. Yeah. Okay. Not gonna bend, 
not, Joe, no, but it's not going to make any film that you've ever seen in 2D isn't going to be better because you're seeing it in 3D. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you, you said that, though, Luke. Sorry mm. to cut you up. I'm glad you said that, Luke, because no, no. I feel like usually that there would be the type of things that would bother you <laughs> in our reviews. Oh. I feel Interestingly, like, so, right? Yeah. He's coming line, at you, bro. Like, He's that coming whole at you. bit actually Sorry, reminds you know me of you know Luca. Love. Do you remember Luca? Like, oh, yeah. little Pixar film where you guys had that oh, argument of, oh, underwater stuff. Why, why, why? And I was like, but would it would it help? Um but yeah, yes. no, I would be that type of person. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, what do we think of the line? Doo -doo -doo -doo. It's a film without any integrity, which means it can't have any emotional credibility either. Yeah, I frowned at that when you were mm. saying it. Um, mm. I think it's full of integrity. Like, uh, first of all, I'm not sure how you claim a film has integrity or not. Yeah, like, that's a... even even Michael Bay making a fifth Transformers movie has integrity. integrity like, yeah, you, like yeah. it's not. It's it's not necessarily a good idea, but it still has integrity. I'm not mm. sure what disqualifies disqualifies it from having integrity. So perhaps it's in relation to the, some of the things that she took issue with that we've just mentioned. Mm. Um, but I mean, the dictionary without definition without integrity, it cannot have emotional. What was it? What did uh, she say? To do, to do credibility. Credibility. I mean, I don't know what the credentials for passing that test are, mm. but you know. But was I invested in this in the same way that I was invested in the toys burning up at the end of Toy Story 3? No, but it wasn't ever trying to do that. Mm, was yeah. the, the the idea of a, the son trying to impress his father and the father being more impressed by the cousin, did that stuff ring true? A hundred percent. Definitely. That's emotion. That's emotional credibility. Mm. So I can't remember who wrote that review. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100 percent because he doesn't, ha he doesn't need to Sorry. have that. Sorry for the kids. <laughs> go cuss yourself. Yourself. yourself it's true though because it doesn't need to have that 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 sort mm. of a love triangle i guess between the cousin the son and the dad mm. um he doesn't need to have that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's uh it's it, if you just have the plot of the fantasy Missy fox that's enough for you to have your movie isn't it um mm. but the care and the love to go back to that is was addison adding that extra element of those of that di that dynamic between those three characters um, I wonder yeah. how much of this hate comes from the fact that so many people read this book or had this book read to them mm. as children. It's true, everyone talks about this. You know, they, they have such their own emotional attachment. It's such an important book to so many people that doing something that is uniquely Wes Anderson-ish um, alienated that for them. But, you mm. know, that's the problem if you up, uh, adapt anything that's widely read or even if it's not widely read. But nine, the reason 90% of people say, oh, the book's better than the film. Well, well, that's because you probably read the book first. Mm. Mm. You put way more information into a book so you can really delve into subplots, which you have to cut out of movies 90% of the time. Um, but also, uh, you're compete how can any single person compete with every uh, individual's imagination? They yeah. can only go with what they think is the best version of it. Mm. Um, or I their agree. version of it. The, especially and, the book you know, thing bothers me. Yeah, it re it really annoys me. And when there's a, you know, when I see something like, you know, when David Fincher got announced to do Gone Girl, I specifically didn't read the book because I prefer, I want the movie to be better. And if the adage is true that the book is always better than the film, if the film is a five-star masterpiece like Gone Girl is, mm -hmm. and you're telling me the book's still better, 
I've not only just enjoyed a five star film, but I get to go read a book that might make that, that <laughs> yes. I get even more out of yes, it. Yes, I like, agree. The, like, I get more doing it that way than reading the book and then being disappointed by the version of, of the movie that I didn't imagine in my head. Yeah, Whereas 100%. now I've read Gone Girl subsequently, the film is better than the book. There's absolutely no question yeah. in my mind because it doesn't contain as much information. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I 100% whole... agree with that. Yeah, it's the whole, a picture says a thousand words, but in a book you can spend a thousand words talking about what a person thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And like, how do you, how do you show a picture of what a character's thinking? And that's it. Like when they're making their breakfast, you can only do so much physically when you can have a whole thing about, oh, this guy is stressed while buttering toast. So you're going to have a guy buttering toast in the film. But in the book, he's stressed because of all of these different reasons. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just... To, yeah. to me, to compare the two is, is I, I almost see it as nonsensical because yeah. it's, it's like you said, Sean, you, like, and what, like what you said, Luke, they're two complete different mediums. Of course, you're gonna prefer the book because you've they, that, the guy who wrote the book's had he's got hundreds and hundreds of pages to tell you about this character's kneecaps. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, you've got bloody Claire's knee. A history, you know, like, a Eric history Rose. of kneecaps, but I'm just K knee. I don't know why I'm so <laughs> knee. I was thinking about Claire's knee, the Eric Roman movie. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just don't know. But, okay. uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, you have all this time, right? And for me, it's, it, it's just, it's all the all Every time I've always asked someone why they prefer the book more, it's always for this mm. reason. Okay. So, so let's say, let's say, let's, let's, let's pretend for a second. This person okay. prefers the Lord of the Rings books to the movie, right? Okay. I go, what, what is the reason you don't like the Lord of the Rings movie over the books or whatever? And they go, oh, because insert scene where this character kills an orc that is completely not connected to the main storyline um, is not in it. Mm. And I'm like, just because of that, that's not a reason to not like the movie. You get that in the book. That's additional, right? That's additional. Mm. There's, like, uh, like, for me, I've read... Um, I... One of my favorite books I've read is A Clockwork Orange. Read. You haven't. Stop lying. I can't read. I'm lying. I can't read. One of the best <laughs> books I've read is A Clockwork Orange, and I watched the movie a million times before I saw. I read the book like so many times. Mm. I see that movie. I used to love that movie, and I read the book, and it was like a different, complete different experience. And I love it just as equally, almost as the book, yeah. as the film. But they're very different. One is a Stanley Kubrick vision, and the other is like a very deep dive into, and has a complete kind of different ending. Um, mm. It's this character where you, you really get to explore the language more, and there's there's additional scenes. It's like it they, they go next the hand in hand for me. I never understand comparing them. Um, I think yeah. it's I mean, weird. You only have ninety yeah, minutes in a movie. It, do you know what I mean yeah, to that's tell when the story? It works. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say to go slightly against the grain, even though I agree with you. Sometimes the the book is it it just is better, and especially in cases where the film is just shit. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, it does yeah of course, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Like to to name drop a book that I love, which is Darren Shan, uh, Vampire Assistant. Oh yeah. <laughs> they the film's not even a good film, never mind a, an adaption, and it doesn't help the fact that they took three books and combined them into one film. So fucking dumb. 
Anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to tack that on the end where sometimes the book is better. Just full stop, the end. <laughs> okay, so continuing, this is the last paragraph of Deborah Ross's review. I can't, before we do that, can I Absolutely. just say I did prefer the movie version of the Bible over the book. <laughs> it's much shorter. Vastly superior. Oh. A lot, lot shorter. Yeah. Mini, I think it probably could do with a miniseries. I'm sure Tom Hanks is, Tom Hanks is Yeah, on. yeah. Yeah, I didn't really buy the Noah's Ark storyline, though. There's a, why is he like a thousand years old? I don't understand that. And like, you know, how did he get all two animals to not eat each other? On the boat, you know, yeah. they've got a lot of questions about that part, but you know, <laughs> orgy more like. <laughs> Hopefully not. The animation, which uses the stop motion technique, like Wallace and Gromit, is terrific. Like I said, everything is bathed in the most delicious autumnal light. You can see every hair on every animal, and there are some deliciously noirish scenes. But it's not enough to stop this becoming yet another silly animal caper. There is some talk in the script about the animals still being wild savages. But as we never see them actually being wild savages, this conflict is never brought to life. So it's so-so, Mr. Fox. And although I still don't know what Mr. Dahl would say, I'm thinking it is now. I've told you once and I won't tell you again. Just clear off. And that's the Dahl we want anyhow. You know, this, the original, the thing about Royal Dahl is that he's such a unique voice. No one's, you know when you're reading one of his stories. Yeah. Mm. Like, he's, he's one of the most famous writers of all time mm. because of that. You know, having such a unique voice requires someone else with such a unique voice to tell it, probably. Yeah. And mm. you've got that. The problem is they're two very distinct voices. Um, and I think, you know, what's interesting is, like, I think with the exception of the first review, they haven't hated this film. They've all kind of gone, eh, so-so. And, you know, it's like, it's like, all right, well, if, if the Wes Anderson thing is only 50% successful, that means the Roald Dahl thing is 50% successful. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's I guess that's why they're saying it's so-so. Um, yeah. It's I mean, hard I've to... only done two reviews. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that bloody hell, we're still on the second. Really? One. Yeah, that's, that's the second, second one. That's damn. Awesome. I did oh, try and warn you that it was many paragraphs. Hang on, let this me just person spending do a very way quick too much one. time on this movie. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's I fine. Wanna... I've got a very quick one. Okay, as before you do that, I just want to add on to the Roald Dahl thing. I mean, he didn't he? It's weird that people saw a, a sort of a comparing what he would have wanted from these things because for example like if you look at Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory which I love that movie um Raul Dahl famously hated it I'm pretty sure um he really didn't like Gene Wilder's depiction of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for me that's definitive that's That's definitive definitive same yeah yeah, and it's like that's a prime example isn't it of like well here's the book that people you know say, oh, Raul Dahl, you know, he didn't like, he wouldn't like this thing. But then, you know, there's this really famous movie that to a lot of people is the definitive version of that. Um, mm. And he didn't like it. So it's kind of like, yeah. it's not St- always Stephen what they King like. Stephen King hates The Shining. Exactly, know, exactly. Like, yeah. Perfect example, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very quick one, just so we've, we've got three. Uh, so this is from Onyxa. It's a half star. Thank you, Wes Anderson, <laughs> for shitting in my eyes 
ears and mouth, <laughs> then making me wash it down with extra strength bleach. That's wow. the review. That's the review. It's very short. Uh, Someone needs to accompany that man on a shopping trip because he's picking up all the wrong products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too wow. good, man. All right, I take it back about the thing I said of people saying it was so-so. Yeah. Uh, that's, that was aggressively <laughs> no, no. against... Yeah, I mean... I I know Wes Anderson makes his own jams. Um, <laughs> I think he's more likely to give you that than his own shit. Uh, so I mean, maybe, like, even if you don't like the movie, jam going down your throat's quite nice. So mm. that's Don't put bleach down your throat. No, yeah, no, no, no. That's, I mean, you know, unless you want to end it all. But if that's the case, but then let me pitch you. Seek help. Like, then please, me and Charlie are actually starting a new business. Suicidal, <laughs> want to end it all? Don't feel like you belong in this world anymore? Well, join Charlie and Sean's movie stunt death team. Instead <laughs> of dying, you could die on film. For yes. real. Tom Cruise pushes you off a train? What a way to go, Grandma. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, Damn. We, me and Sean... Did, was it was it you, Sean, that also thought that stuntmen when they were younger actually died? Yes. Was it just yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so did I, yeah. No, no, I also it was, thought I, they died. We've had this it. conversation. Yeah. We've had this conversation. It was you. Uh, oh, it was my me. parents yeah, yeah. sat me down no, and was, told you. It, my yeah, parents yeah. explained to me that it was like all <laughs> fake, like nobody got mm. hurt or anything like that. Um and that's why they let me watch, you know, films that I were far too violent for kids. Because I was like, oh, it's not real. I used oh, to have like screaming matches with my parents that WWE was real. I was like, how? It is. How can he jump from... No, but it from... is, though. No, the it is lifestyle real. is real. The lifestyle is real. 100%, of course. I'm talking about the... Uh, how dare you... The... Lily Mum and Lily Papa. Fighting. Exactly, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Ooh, it's real, man. For some reason, both of your parents' names have gone out of my head. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> You don't need to I'm say their names not, on the podcast. Not even close. Like I'm not even close. If you were to go to, if you were to ask me, what's your dad's name right now? I'm like. I mean, it's the box. most obvious. <laughs> it's the most obvious English name, probably. Dave. Close. Bill. What's the other one? No, we're not playing this game. We're not <laughs> saying your parents' names on the podcast. I literally, I know the man, after talking and I about cannot turning remember. every film into a snuff film. We're not talking. <laughs> I didn't We've say full... eight millimeter. I didn't say let's do that to grandma. We've gone video drone on this bitch. <laughs> we have. Right. Jo- Joaquin Phoenix is going to come and find us. Jesus. Case All jokes aside, if you are suicidal, please seek help. Yeah, please, please seek help. That was a, that was a, that was a, yeah, please It was do. all a bit. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll put a number in the, in the description below. Um, please don't ever, if, if you're thinking about, yeah, yeah, it's been said. Yeah. It's been said now. You can't take it back. Well, you can, but we're not going to because it's going to be too big of an edit. Is the film awful? No. Yes, no. Is that a review? Are you asking us? That I'm oh. asking you. We we don't have time for more reviews. We're like we're past the forty minute mark. I assume. No, the film is not awful, so it's a thumbs up. It's awesome. Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs awesome. up. Yeah. No, I finished the film and I was like ex. Like I was filled with good emotions and you don't get that from a bad film you're filled with i've just wasted two and a half hours of my life that's a bad film this was a yeah yeah everything came out peachy i love it and that's a good film awesome (laughs) so please watch fantastic mr fox uh at the time of recording and i presume airing which is the beginning of august 2021 it's on netflix enjoy 
Indeed. Please do. For now, in the UK. Use a VPN. Sometimes VPN. Have you? No, we're not going to talk about that. What film do you double bill this with? The Squid and the Whale. I was going to say the exact same thing. Well, Charlie got there for. Actually, no. We're going to take that away because you already spoke about The Squid and the Whale. No. Not allowed. Denied. Half an hour. I brought to the table. Okay. Ah, shit. You did do that. In fairness. Yeah. I would would probably. um, Raising Arizona. You know what? For as weird of a combination that is, I get it. That's the spot it's on. Like it, I think that's almost yeah, like really it's... good. That's a really good double bill. <laughs> I really like that. It has, I was, it's... Yeah, it's it's, it's you know it's about bumbling fathers and 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 their kids, and it's it's goofy and wacky, and it's it's a unique yeah. voice that is the Coen Brothers. I actually found this fantastic Mr. Fox to be very Coen Brothers like. Yes, and that's definitely. One of the reasons that I like it. Yes, I don't know if that's the casting of George Clooney or not, but. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also the musical scene. It's yes. Like, I, I was just making it up. Well, that's bad <laughs> songwriting. That's, yeah, that's proper It's going brothers, isn't it? Wildar wouldn't have written that. Like, no, come on. It's true. Uh, that uh, is a fucking great choice, Sean. I, I like that because it's kind of off field, but I can totally see it. It's got that weird, quirky style, especially the chase scene. It kind yep. of feels like something out of it. Uh, the characters are kind of in the wacky, and oh, that's, that's good. I like and that. heists. And it's got that kind of love southern feel, even though it's set in Cornwall or wherever the fuck it's set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's good. Um, fuck. I, I posed the question. I have not even... The Grand Budapest Hotel? I mean, it's Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. The, the relationship between Zero and... Ralph Fiennes character is is that kind of similar one or appease the father figure type of relationship. I feel that like you've got enough branches connecting everything, and because yeah. it's I mean, a Wes Anderson film, it's every all of Wes the Anderson cast. movie, every yeah. every Wes Anderson movie. You know, just it's very ev- royal. all of them, any of them. I find I find this one to be most like the Royal Tenenbaums, like you know, fa- yes. Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox is very much like an amalgamation of Ben Stiller's character and Gene Hackman's character. Mm. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. 100%. Handy peas. Um, any more? Any more that we've got? Yes, no, indifference? No? Uh, no? Oh. Cubo and the two strings. Because of the stop motion is just as amazing. Yeah, just watch. Ooh, yes, to get like more people it. watching stop motion animation, yeah, Coraline, yeah. Cubo yeah. and the two all strings. Of those. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, just para- marathon and, all, <laughs> all stop also, motion pictures. And also, can I just, just as a shout out to the DP of this film, uh, Tristan Oliver as well, uh, Paranorman is so underseen, so underrated, mm. and just a masterpiece of, of, of stop motion uh, cinematography. Absolutely next level. So, um, yeah, love to do that on the show, actually. Mm. It's a really underrated film. I've always wanted to see films. it, so I'll be up for that. I've not seen yeah. it. No, no, I've always wanted to see it. My friend, that. my friend. Recently, I've been looking at uh, gift ideas and like a cell uh, flip books which have like the print, uh, the individual shots that they taken to make the stop motion films. And it's, oh, amazing. Uh, it's so good. It looks so cool. That's I'll so ask, cool. My friend Emily works there, so I'll ask her, um, I'll ask her if she can get some, some yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, what the fuck? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Sean, thank you for being here. What Do you want to plug your socials? Tell us, are you still very busy? I assume you're still very busy. Oh, but, it's, you know. I'm so busy. Uh, so so busy um but yeah sean grimsey films uh, i'm not available now until october 
Beautiful. Charles, hmm. what about us? Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube. Your favorite film is awful. And they can find us on Twitter at FabFilmIsAwful. Mwah, perfect. So well Ooh. rehearsed now. So, yeah, got it down. Got it down. Got it down. I love it. Listener, <laughs> thank you for being here. Hope you're having a lovely day. But otherwise, bye-bye. Take care. Peace out, mother cusses. Peace out, mother cusses. <laughs> <laughs> and fade to black. Ha <laughs> <laughs>